Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. I want to ask you first, though, myself. Um, I used the WebDoc service, you know, or the online, one of the online GP services um, in recent days. And I think it's great service. Brilliant. I know you don't have the face to face in person with the GP. Absolutely. I mean, my, I like people. I like seeing my patients. I like talking to my patients, but I can completely understand people are so busy. Yeah. Uh, and with the time constraints they have and the difficulty in seeing people face to face and the complexity of issues that is coming into general practice, sometimes an issue might need to be addressed very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and what we do know is that our patients are great. They know their symptoms. They know when they're not well. Mm. Uh, and we need to respect that. Yeah. Uh, but it's actually the way to get the doctor's appointment often is why I find the the online service was, was really handy. But my, my point, I suppose, in asking you this today mm, was that yeah. um, I, you know, if, if you need then, though, to get a referral for anything like to get bloods taken or any follow up, do you always have to go back in then to your would, actual GP? I would absolutely recommend it because having a GP is a f- first point of contact. It's someone that you're going to have a relationship with, not just today, but going onwards and forwards. And they know you. They know your background. They know, for example, possibly how you were born and all those adult years leading into, you know, adulthood now. Uh, Any family history of note, any social history of note, any past medical conditions, you don't have to repeat the same thing over and over again. And if you've got a great relationship with your GP, it's a conversation that continues and your GP will know if you need tests or not, because sometimes tests may not be necessary We work on first principles of listening, taking a history and then examining our patients. And that's pivotal. And that can get lost sometimes online. Um, And and I suppose the point as well about if you're able even to get the doctor's appointment, because I know that's a huge issue for a lot of our listeners trying to get signed up to GPs. I completely understand. And the difficulty there is real. Yeah. Uh, And it will get more difficult as the winter season arises. Uh, everyone's back to school. We're going to have the rise of the respiratory illnesses completely. Uh, it's going to be tough. If you have a question for Sumi, you can send it in to us. I mentioned you were going to be in with us a little earlier in the show and a lot of people getting in touch. This listener says, um, can you please ask the doctor uh, what's her opinion on peripheral neuropathy? I'm not diabetic, but I do have concerns um, on the outcome in years to come. I'm in my 70s. Okay, um, peripheral neuropathy is an interesting aspect because there's lots of issues that might cause it. For those that don't know, It's a loss of feeling at the fingertips or even at the toes. So it's right at the end. That's the periphery. Neuropathy means that the nerves aren't working the way they're meant to be working. So it can come across as a tingling or it can come across as a numbness. Some people might even find that they start to drop things. And that can be really concerning. The cause isn't just one. You know, we can't always say it's because it could be diabetes. That's one of the more common aspects a whole host of things. A particular vitamin deficiency, B12, sometimes has been noted to peripheral neuropathy. But interestingly, B12, most people get through their diet. So it's unlikely to be that. There can be some other illnesses. Viral illnesses might cause this. Uh, alcohol 
and excess of alcohol can cause a peripheral neuropathy. So it's a multifactorial aspect. Again, without taking one thing in particular, it would be something that we'd want to take a really good history from, particularly as this listener is in their 70s. Mm. So there could be relevant medical history of note. There could be medicines of note. Uh, there could be other aspects of it. Okay, so the, another text in Sumi. Um, I've quite a large number of freckles all over my body. They don't seem to grow in size and yeah. they aren't causing me any trouble. But I'm wondering, should I get something like the mole mapping done? And if so, how do I go about it? Okay, so what we say with freckles or skin lesions is that there are certain things to look out for. If a lesion is changing, if it's getting bigger, that's the one that we need to keep an eye on. If it's certainly on a sun-exposed area, we need to keep an eye on it. If it's starting to bleed, ulcerate, the border becomes irregular. So freckles are all dotted all over. Yeah. Uh, tend to be on the cheek, tend to be butterfly, tend to be summer-linked. But if one of them is changing, uh, particularly on your body or on your face, uh, starting to itch, starting to bleed, starting to get ulcerated, starting to grow, you know, getting to that kind of bigger than 0.8 of, of a centimetre, so just under a centimetre, that's the one that needs to be looked at, particularly if it's getting darker and darker. Where do you get the mole mapping done? You can get your mole mapping done normally through a referral through your GP to a dermatologist. Uh, dermatologists normally carry what we call a particular type of microscope called a dermatoscope. Not every GP has that. Some GPs do have an interest in skin, so they may be able to check your freckles out for you very quickly and provide reassurance. Okay. 1800 106 is the number if you have a question for Sumi today. Um, I've been diagnosed with an underactive thyroid. I'm on Eltroxin for mm. it, but it does, uh, but it keeps going between over and underactive. How long will it take to regulate? can take a bit of time. I'm sorry, you know, in the beginning and then over a few months, it can settle, uh, take some time to settle. There will be that lead in period if you've only just started medication where we try and get the right dose for you. Normally, when there's a dose change, we like to repeat the bloods at about six to eight weeks. No point doing them any sooner than that. If we do a dose change, again, there may be another, you know, blood test in six to eight weeks. Once we've got the right dose, you're on the right dose until your symptoms may reoccur. Then we start looking again. This listener says I have a two-year-old daughter who's a high temperature, 38.5. Should I bring her into the hospital? She seems grand and she's drinking her bottles. Really interesting one. Kids and fevers always cause concern. She's two. That's a fairly high temperature. I would get her checked out, particularly if she stops you know, being herself. If she's in great form, great, because a lot of kids can tolerate temperatures. But if she gets drowsy, if she gets a rash, if she's vomiting, if she's not responsive, then she definitely does need to be seen. This listener, sorry, you seem to cut across this. The same listener says, I've actually, I've given her Calpol. Um, I'm not sure whether it's the weather making her hot. Unlikely. 38.5 is unlikely just to be sun associated on its own. Given that she's a young infant, if it's persisting certainly more than 48 hours, I would get her checked by her GP unless they are the red flags that I've just mentioned now. Another thyroid question as well, Sumi. Any ideas what's causing uh, my thyroid to fluctuate between high and low? What's going on for about 20 years? The GP says it's to an increase in it says, ju- just says to increase and decrease, um, which is in solvent solution. <laughs> yeah, lots of things can affect that. Again, over the 20 years, has there been ch- in a change in lifestyle, change in medicines, pregnancies? can affect thyroid function. That can make it go up and down. I'm not sure, you know, if this listener is a male or a female. Mm. Um, You know, concomitant illnesses can make your thyroid function change. So if you've got your thyroid buds done and you've happened to have a viral illness at the same time, your readings might be different. So lots of things can cause this fluctuation. Interestingly, the thyroid gland 
can do all sorts of things. It can, you know, it can produce a lot. It can produce a little. So the journey may not be stable over the years. So, you know, stick with us. Stick with your medications, stick with your GP and somebody that's mm. seen you regularly. 087-1400-106 if you want to get in contact. Um, can you ask the doctor, what can I mix with PrEP to make it easier to drink for an examination of the bowel? Oh, uh, yeah, none of it is nice. <laughs> you know, all of them are horrific. Right. Um, uh, depends which PrEP you've been given for bowel clearance. There is a whole host of them. Each particular um, unit has their own speciality. I know from my own personal experience, it was just truly horrific. Nothing disguised it. Sometimes orange juice, uh, good old fashioned, hold your nose and swallow it, I'm afraid. Any good creams for psoriasis? Asks Lots of good creams around. Most of them tend to have a steroid base to them, potentially with a vitamin D base. Again, that particularly needs to be seen by your GP. That, is that dermatologist or no, your no GP, just your GP? Your, your GP yeah. can get you started. Unfortunately, those creams are not over the counter. Um, quite a few qu- queries coming in. We we talked before about um, good gut health on the show and mm. a lot of people wondering about this. This texture, are the happy mammoth capsules any good? I'm seeing a lot of ads and I'm wondering if they are good or are the testimonials realistic? It's for handling menopause, bloating and IBS, etc. Okay, um... <clears throat> I don't know about this particular capsule, this brand, yeah, yeah. This brand or this capsule myself. Uh, as a GP, I'm not a fan of vitamins. You know, a full, healthy, balanced diet that's nutrient dense in whole foods is my much preference, particularly through a menopausal journey where we want to get all our nutrients from our diet. Uh, there is a lot to be said, a lot of menopausal women, perimenopausal women, due to the fact their periods change, they might get really heavy periods, could be iron deficient. So there's a lot to be said for iron capsules Again, under the recommendation through your GP, some women might be vitamin D deficient. Again, more pronounced through the perimenopausal journey. That may have a a base to it. But generic vitamins like this just give you expensive pee, really, at the end of the day. Right. Never thought of it like that. Yeah, so go to the doctor and what? Is that a blood test then really you need in terms yeah, of... Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we are, we do, it's quite well known. A lot of women who are going this perimenopausal, menopausal journey, just as the periods are starting to decrease, you just get this horrific change and you can get lots of flooding. And all of a sudden your blood count can just drop, mm. your eye count can dro- just drop and that can just wipe the floor. Uh, this texture, can you ask the doctor about how best to build up my immune system um, and my gut as well? I'm after taking a strong antibiotic, argumentin, 500 yeah, milligrams. Uh, I've we, taken it many times. Yeah, we do know that. We do know that antibiotics will kill off not only bad bacteria, but the good bacteria, the good bacteria that colonises our intestinal <clears throat> system and also in our stomach. Lots of things can be done. There is a realm for taking some probiotics. Eating well as well uh, really promotes good gut health. Interestingly, if left alone, it's all a balance system. So the seesaw of balance will come back to neutral at some point. Uh, But just eating well, exercising as and when you feel up to it, uh, drinking, you know, water, that will all rebalance your gut health over a length of time. What Augmentin can do, or Coamoxiclav, as it's also known, it can be notorious and cause vaginal candida. To thrush, particularly in women. So do look out for that. If that's happening, again, talk to your GP. Okay. Uh, this listener had chemo last year and ever since um, I don't seem to be absorbing. Now, I'm hopefully going to try and pronounce this right or I'll certainly do my level best. Levothyroxine? 
That, again, is a thyroid hormone. Okay. Um, the, their thyroid removed in 2019 was on to 275 MCG, but I now don't seem to be absorbing it. Is it common for chemo to interfere with um, the metabolic metabolic medication. Okay. In this particular incidence, um, given the complexity of the reason of the thyroid being removed, I really would advise you to go back and talk to your specialist around this. Okay. Uh, just with the background of chemotherapy, having a complete thyroidectomy. Uh, yes, we do supplement the thyroid hormone, but if it's not proving optimal, you do really need to go back and talk to your specialist. This listener says, I'm a lady in their late 60s. Um, is 60 milligrams of... Um, atorvastatin? Atorvastatin. Yeah. Atorvastatin. Is that a high dose? I've never been on anything like this or any other meds for cholesterol before. It's one of, it's one of the higher doses. Uh, certainly we try, you know, we're all big fans in general practice. The lower the dose that works for you, the best dose minimises side effects. However, in some instances, it may be prudent to increase the dose. And again, that could be a GP-led decision around same. So just go back for a chat with the with your doctor. Go back for a review and just inquire. You know, is this you know is this necessary? And it could very Mm. well be the right dose for you. Okay, Uh, lunchtime live at newstalk.com as always. That's the email address if you want to get in touch. Assuming we'll have to bring you back in with loads more queries from people that we just didn't didn't get around to today. Yeah, look, obviously people have a lot of questions about um, you know their 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 medical journey and particularly when it's hard to get a a doctor's appointment. So really appreciate you coming in for a chat today. That's Doctor Sumi Dunn. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.